Oh, okay. All right, the bell rang. We just couldn't hear it. We were talking so much. So it's time to get started. Welcome. Appreciate all of you coming. Boy, what a blessing. I think we have around 300 registered and only 160 or 70 here this morning. So I guess the others are sneaking in later or tonight or whatever. But uh, I'm excited. I believe that this is going to be a tremendous time for you. I'm just really excited about what God's doing. I tell you, I just, uh, yesterday driving home, I nearly got raptured driving my vehicle. I'm just praising God and thinking about how awesome everything is. And man, it is just, it is such a blessing. And you know, God has done a miracle here in this place. I don't know how much time, I don't know where Gary went either, but, uh, but I'm sure that we'll be sharing some more about the school but uh, you can look through the uh, information. Also, this is Karen waving at me. Stand up, Karen, so everybody can see her. Karen works in our television department. She's a blessing. I've known Karen for 30 years or something like that. And anyway, Karen is doing interviews. If some of you have had the Lord really touch your life and change your life through this ministry, through the Word, or through any of the ways that we reach out, uh, they have a television crew set up where? in the break room, and they're going to be just doing uh, testimonies. I don't know if you've seen our website, but we have hundreds of testimonies of people's lives that have been touched by the power of God. So anyway, this is Karen Bean. They will be in the break room, and they will be doing these interviews. So please check it, check it out. Come see her and share a testimony. It will bless other people. Okay? She's easy. Uh, she'll help you to get out what God's done for you. But anyway, sometime we'll be sharing in more detail about the school. I know many of you are here, but uh, this is an idea that God put in my heart in 1993. We actually opened the school in 1994, and uh, it started off slow. It really did. And we, uh, the first class was interesting. <laughs> we were expecting a lot of people, and not that many showed up, and so we just told anybody and everybody to come. And we had a bunch of local people that were street people that came in and came to our school and they were getting changed and it was good, but they were rough too. I mean, we had fights, sent people to the hospital and uh, it was quite the group. But you know, over the years, things have just improved and improved and God has done an awesome work in this school. And it is actually one of the healthiest places I believe on the planet. You walk into this place, and I tell you what, if you've got a problem, it would take a lot of effort to walk out of this place with your problem. You have so many people here that just love you and minister to you and edify you, and, and uh, it's a really, really healthy place. I also want to emphasize, a lot of you come, I know, because you've seen me on television and you've heard my ministry, but God has put together, I believe, the greatest staff that uh, I've ever seen. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, you'll find when you get here, I've had people that work in our ministry back here, and they say, oh, you are my favorite teacher. And then they hear Barry Bennett, and they say, oh, Barry's my favorite teacher. And then they... And then they hear Lawson, and they say, oh, Lawson's my favorite teacher. And then they hear Arthur Manchester, and then they say, he's my favorite teacher. 
And then we have, in our third year program, we have Happy Caldwell, Dwayne Sheriff, and Bob Yandian that are coming in on a monthly basis. And I tell you, it's just absolutely amazing the quality of ministry that's here. We've got Wendell Parr back there, and he's uh, one of our instructors. And people just love Wendell. I can't figure out why, but they do. They love him. We have Wendell around because when he went to school, they didn't have history class. They hadn't had it yet. And so Wendell, he can tell us about the crossing of the Red Sea and everything from first-hand accounts. But, but really, uh, if you talk to the students, I think everybody has been pleasantly surprised at the quality of all of the ministry that's here. And I tell you, it is just... Uh, the uh, different approach. All of us are speaking the same thing, but we speak it from our own perspective with a little bit different, and all of us together make an impact that no one person can. And I tell you, it's just a, it's an awesome place here. So I want to share the word this morning, but I did want to just say that we're glad you're here and glad you've come to check it out. And uh, I'm sure that, Gary, you're going to be, are you going to be giving any more explanation about the school? Okay, so we're going to have it lunch this afternoon, and then uh, you get to meet the instructors and all of the people, and we'll have a question and answer uh, if you have any questions on that. But I just encourage you to really check it out. And I think that the more you look, the deeper you look at this school, the more you're going to love it. It's just awesome what God is doing. Daniel Amstutz has been a tremendous addition this year. He's, praise the Lord. And he's the one that leads the praise and worship here. We've got a praise and worship seminar coming up. Do we have those uh, pamphlets or something in that packet? Okay, it's on the table, but we're having a praise and worship seminar. And Ken Henry and uh, Don Moen and uh, I don't even know. There's, there's lots of people going to be here. It's going to be a tremendous time. And we're starting next year a third-year class of praise and worship where Daniel and all of these other people that he brings in will be instructing praise and worship leaders. Amen. We've already got a third-year program. Barry Bennett uh, administers our third-year program. What a blessing he's been. It's just awesome. And uh, we have these other ministers coming in. We've, we had last year the School of the Pastors. This coming year, we're going to have a media school in the third year. And what else? There's music and uh, anything else? general ministry. We got a healing school that we started in the afternoon. I tell you what, we've got something for everybody. It, it's going to be really, really a blessing. So I just encourage you to check it all out. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 4. And I've got a lot of things that I want to share and I'm really conflicted about which one to share. So I'm probably going to give you a scattershot, a little bit of everything. That's what it usually happens when I'm not specific. But I just want to talk about, I know that many of you have come here because you're looking for more. You know that there's more. I had a couple of people come up and just say that since they've been listening, it's like uh, there's just a change taking place on the inside of them. And what it is, it's the power of the Word of God. And I just want to share with you some real basic things. This is one of the very first things we share with our students in first year that I teach is just about the power of the Word of God to change your life. And people are looking for change. People are recognizing that there's more and they're wanting 
God's power operating in them, not only for them, but for other people, so that God can flow through them and they can help other people. And yet, most people don't know how to get the change. They know that there's something more. They know that there's more to Christianity than what they're experiencing, and they just don't know how to get from here to there. And the average way that, uh, or the way that most people go about trying to change is through tremendous, you know, just seeking God, crying out to God, desire, passion, uh, and they, they want God to do something. They'll come to a service and they want somebody to wave their hand over you and just change your life. They're looking for some kind of a epiphany where they just have this encounter with the Lord and boom, instantly they're changed. And that is not how it happens. Now, I guess it can happen that way. There are examples of people that just encounter the Lord and, I mean, they're just dramatically changed. God can do a miracle, but the average person, 99.99% of all people that ever get their life dramatically changed and see everything that God has for them come to pass, it's a process. And it comes uh, through the renewing of your mind through the Word of God And most people, this is where they're deficient. You know, in my life, let me just give this testimony before I get into these scriptures, but in my life, I was one of those that I got born again when I was 8, and when I was 18, I just knew that there was more. I was seeking the Lord. I didn't have a clue what I was seeking for, but I had one of these dramatic encounters. And I mean, God just rang my bell big time. I got changed. For four and a half months, I was caught up in the presence of God. And God changed my life. And it was wonderful. My heart was instantly changed. I didn't want any of the things of the world. And I mean, I just went after God 100%. And everybody would think, wonderful, great, end of story. Did you know that that nearly ruined my life? Because right after that, I got drafted and I went to Vietnam. And in Vietnam, I just got so hungry to get back into that place of emotion where I was, where I could feel the presence of God. I mean, for about four or five months, I didn't have to try and believe in God. I mean, I was literally overwhelmed by God. I didn't eat or sleep consciously for four and a half months. I had to do both, but I mean, I never sat down and ate a meal. I couldn't sit down and eat. I was so excited. I never slept more than an hour at a time. I couldn't sleep. I was just overwhelmed with how much God loved me, and it was awesome. But after four and a half months, the emotion of that wore off, which I could spend a day or two talking to you about this. But you know what? God doesn't want you living at that level. Some of you are listening to me and think, oh, would you please pray for me that that had happened to you? I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It'll destroy your life. Because you know what? You can become a junkie on emotions to where you have to feel something and all of this. And God does not want you living that way. God wants you to live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If the Lord wanted to, He could give every one of you a rush. He could make goosebumps go up and down your spine. He could have a bird come sit on your shoulder every day and say, God loves you and tell you everything. God could write your name in the sky. God could do all of these things. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. When people saw Jesus, they... Jesus was so plain, it says that in uh, Isaiah chapter 53, that when we see Him, there is no beauty in Him. There is nothing in Him to be desired. Jesus wasn't a beautiful person. Jesus wasn't one of these that had the greatest physique. You know, if, 
If I had been God and if I had decided to become a man, I guarantee you I wouldn't have been a plain man. I'd have been, I'd have made Arnold Schwarzenegger look pitiful compared to me. Man, I'd have been a, I'd been the great specimen. But you know, Jesus came and there was nothing about him that was desirable. It took faith to perceive that He was God. God delights in people relating to Him by faith. God is a God of faith and faith is what pleases Him. And many of us are praying and asking for something from God so that we don't ever have to have faith again. That we just automatically feel and everything is no longer any faith. That's not what pleases God. I had this miraculous experience, but you are not going to live at that place forever And did you know that I got addicted to it and during this time in Vietnam, I became so depressed and discouraged and desperate to get back into this love of God. I didn't know what I did to make it happen. I didn't know what I did to make it leave. So I didn't know how to grab a handle on it. I didn't know what to do. And I just got desperate and I spent 13 months in Vietnam asking God to kill me. Not because of what was going on out there, because I just loved God so much. I wanted the presence of God so much that I I figured you couldn't get it here in this life. And I just was ready to go and be with the Lord. And then I nearly got killed twice in one day. And I decided I really wasn't as excited about dying as I thought I was. And I decided, you know what, I'm not, I don't think that's God's will for me. And so, what am I going to do? And out of desperation, I was on a fire support base. And out of desperation, I just got to where I read the Bible anywhere from 10 to 15 hours a day. Because there was nothing else to do. I was in a bunker that was papered with nude pictures of women. And, uh, I mean, you couldn't even look around without being tempted with something. So I just did like this, Amen. <laughs> And I mean, 10 to 15 hours a day, I was just like this. And I mean, you couldn't put your Bible down and think about it. You just, I just read. And then I'd pull bunker guard every night. And uh, at, on bunker guard, I'd spend up to four hours just praying and, and seeking the Lord. And here's what happened. It was that instead of an emotion and instead of some kind of an experience where I felt and it was physical or natural... God began to start revealing the Word to me. And I began to start coming to know God through the Word. And the Word of God, I mean for 13 months, 10 to 15 hours a day in the Word, I began to change. And I began to have the joy and the peace that came through this emotional experience. I began to have it not as an emotion, but just through faith, through just knowing things. I began to start relating to the Lord on a totally different level. And I can tell you, if I hadn't have gotten into the Word of God, that miraculous encounter I had with God would have destroyed me. Because you can't live at that level. God doesn't want you to live at that level. And it would have literally destroyed me. And you know, I've shared this testimony a number of times, and I've had people come up and say that they had something similar to that, and it did ruin them. Because they just are always searching for some new experience. They're wanting a new touch. They're wanting a new feeling. But they never just take the Word and begin to base their life on the realities and the facts of the Word. And so anyway, I got into the Word and the Word began to change my life. And that's what I want to share with you is that this, this Bible, the Word of God, is the way that God has ordained for your life to change. 
It is not through just praying and seeking the Lord and having a lightning bolt hit you or some kind of an experience where God touches your life and boom, you're instantly changed. It's just line upon line, precept upon precept, to hear a little and there a little, the Word of God. And this is what Jesus is teaching in the fourth chapter of the book of Mark. In the first part of this chapter, He gave a parable about the sower sowing the seed. And then He begins to interpret this parable in verse 14. And this parable literally changed my life. Now again, I began to start having a tremendous change when I was in Vietnam. But right after I got out of Vietnam, it was only about a year or so after I got back that I got married uh, to Jamie. We were in the Baptist church. And everything I was sharing was not fitting in the Baptist church. It was causing a lot of problems, a lot of contention. There was a lot of rebellion uh, towards what I was saying. And anyway, I would have to go to somebody else's meeting and live off of their revelation of the Word. And I'd come back to my Baptist church and for a week or two, man, I'd be preaching the things that I learned through these other people. And we would see miracles happening, people healed and great things happening. Man, I'd be excited and it'd be awesome. But then the leadership would come out and criticize me. And uh, after a week or two, I'd, I'd be saying the same things, but there wouldn't be any results. And it just happened like clockwork. It happened so, so long that I eventually got to a place that I knew that it was only going to last for one Sunday or maybe two Sundays. And then after that, I'd be saying the same things and it wouldn't be touching people. Nothing would be changed. And I'd have to go get another fix at a meeting. I don't know if any of you relate to what I'm talking about. And the Lord, I was studying this passage, Jamie and I was on a Saturday night. And I remember this. This is just not long after we got married. And the Lord used this parable to show me that what it was, it was afflictions and persecution was stealing the Word because I didn't have any root in myself. I was living off of another person's revelation of the Word of God. And when I saw that, I said, in the name of Jesus, I'll never have to say so-and-so said. I'm going to find out what the Word of God says. It's going to be my revelation. Even if I hear it through another person, it's going to become mine. And I made a commitment. Jamie and I made a commitment based on these very things. And I began to start putting God's Word first place in my life. And I tell you what, it has radically, radically changed everything. And what I've learned here is really kind of a foundation that, of everything that God has done in my life. And I believe it's the same for every single one of us. So as Jesus interpreted this parable, it says in verse 14, "...the sower soweth the Word." He was talking about a man who took seed, and this is, they didn't plant it in rows, dig rows and, and plant seed like that, but they just scattered seed. And they'd take a bag and they'd just throw this seed everywhere. And this seed landed on four different types of ground. And of course, the Lord is not really talking about planting seeds and how you make things grow. He's using this as a natural example that we can see and saying that there is a parallel in the spiritual kingdom. This is how the kingdom of God operates. As a matter of fact, if you back up one verse, in verse 13, He said unto them, Know ye not this parable? How then will ye know all parables? Jesus said, If you can't understand the truths in this parable about the sower sowing the seeds, you can't understand any of His parables. This is the key to unlocking His, kingdom, uh, his teachings. This is how the kingdom operates. This is foundational. And I tell you, it's really important, I believe, that he chose a seed to illustrate how the Word works. You know, in our day and age, we aren't as close to seed time and harvest as our 
ancestors have been. Many of us think that, you know, produce comes from the grocery store. But it really doesn't. It comes out of the ground. This entire world operates on seeds. There isn't a single plant. There isn't a single flower. There isn't anything in this life that doesn't operate on seeds. You and I are the result of a seed. People came from seeds. God created the original couple, but then since that time, it all comes from seed. And it says in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God that lives and abides forever. That word seed in the Greek is spora, and the word spora, that's where we get spore from. That's how flowers pollinate. And the word spora is a derivative of sperma, which is the word we get sperm from. Everything in the natural, trees, plants, every physical being, everything that has life on this planet has a seed, and that's how it operates. You can't go out and just till your ground and pray over it and get a harvest. you got to plant a seed. And yet, in the Christian realm, most people don't really put the emphasis on the Word of God and the power that's in the Word of God to make things happen. What they do is they pray and they fast and they beg God to do something, but they never take the seed, the Word of God, and plant it. In the spiritual realm, we have a lot of people that are asking God to change their life and, oh God, do this and help my life to be fruitful. I had one man come up and say he was 60 years old and he wants his life to count before he leaves. And he's really considering coming here. And he's wanting his life to make a difference in other people's lives. That's a great thing. But how do you do it? By just praying? By beseeching the Lord, fasting, and all of these other things. The scripture says that the kingdom of God works off of the word of God. The word is a seed. Nothing happens in the kingdom of God without the seed of his word uh, being planted in a person's heart. This is so simple. And once you see it, it really becomes really easy. Because a seed, once it's planted, it takes time. But a seed, you can't stop it once seeds start uh, being spread and start germinating. You know, on our property, I've got a rock that's over 100 feet tall. It's Indian head rock. It's on maps. And it's on my property. And it's this huge rock. This ceiling, I guess, is probably 20 or 30 feet. And it's 100 feet tall. I, I chiseled a chair out on the top of it. And I sit out there and look down on the world as they pass by. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's, it's great. But on top of that rock, you know, there's little holes where uh, you get a dip in there and dirt gets in there and then grass grows and then seeds have been dropped, I guess, by birds or something. And we've got trees that have grown out of this solid rock. This, this rock is half as wide as this auditorium, 100 feet tall, It's got a little dip, a seed got in there, a tree has started, and that tree is now probably 20 or 30 feet tall. Its root is splitting this huge boulder. There is no telling how many tons that boulder weighs. And this little tiny seed got in there and took root and is splitting this huge boulder into pieces. It is just absolutely phenomenal the power 
that is in a seed. This whole earth operates off of a seed. And likewise, the kingdom of God operates off of the Word of God. And the reason so few people are experiencing the fullness of God's blessing in their life, the reason most Christians are frustrated is because they desire the things of God. They're wanting God's power in their life, but they aren't planting the seed. They're praying and asking God, oh, please change them, and oh, God, touch my life, and oh, God, do something. I'm not minimizing prayer, but I'm saying that prayer is like water or fertilizer once the seed has been planted. But you could water or fertilize barren ground, and if there isn't a seed there, water does not make anything grow. The seed is where the life is, and all water does is facilitate the seed. Likewise, you have to know the truths of the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's going to change your life. It's the truth that makes you free. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, the reason people aren't experiencing the blessing and the fullness of God is because they don't know the Word of God. We've got a saying that what you don't know won't hurt you. That's an absolute lie. What you don't know is killing you. If you're sick in your body... You need the Word. Because the Bible says in Psalms 107 verse 20, God sent His Word and healed them and delivered them of all of their destructions. God's Word, Proverbs chapter 4 around verse 20, verse 22, somewhere in there, it says, God's Word is health unto all of your flesh and life unto those that find it. If you need healing in your body, you don't need prayer. What you need is the Word. The Word of God is a seed. There are healing seeds, there are prosperity seeds, there are joy seeds, there are marriage seeds. There are seeds in the Word of God that whatever it is you need, you take these seeds, you plant them in your heart, you give them time, mix it with faith, and I guarantee you there is nothing in this world that can stop it. The Word of God is the most powerful seed that God ever gave us. Everything in this world operates off of seeds. Everything in God's kingdom operates off of seed. And it really is as simple as what I'm saying. It's not necessarily easy because the hardest thing you'll ever do is get to where you take the Word of God and elevate it to first place and get to where you don't allow anybody or anything to steal this seed out of you. That is the hardest thing you will ever do in your life because the whole world is against the Word of God. They are coming against the truths of the Word of God, the values, everything. There is a battle raging, but it's as simple as what I talked about. You take the seed of the Word of God, you put it in your heart, and you don't let anybody change it, and I guarantee you, it doesn't matter how hard the ground is, doesn't matter if you feel like a boulder, the power of the Word of God will break up that hardened heart. It will begin to start releasing life. And it's just a simple matter of planting the seed, Giving it time, and I guarantee you, your life changes. I've got an entire series on this entitled Effortless Change, which sounds like a contradiction. Most people think that change is painful. Pain, change is terrible. It's hard. That's because of the way they're trying to change. They're wanting God to take away the lust and to take away the hurts and the pains in their life by prayer. I am not against prayer, but prayer is not what's going to set you free. It's the truth that sets you free. And it's only the truth you know that sets you free. In John chapter 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's only the truth you know that sets you free. 
It is our misunderstanding of the Word of God. Religious traditions have taught us things that are contrary to the truth of God's Word. And it's these wrong thinkings that have enabled the devil to ensnare us and to do the things to us that he's done. You know, I've got a number of times I'm going to minister this uh, week, and so I'm going to come back to this. But let me turn over to Second Peter chapter 1. This is the same point that's being made in Second Peter. In chapter 1, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I have preached on this verse for three and four uh, messages at a time. That is awesome right there. And yet people, see, they don't take the Word of God. They don't, they don't understand the power that's in the seed, and so they, they just don't milk it for all it's worth. You could spend days on this one verse. Simon Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Did you know that the vast majority of the body of Christ is praying and saying, Oh God, just give me faith. Oh God, I'm asking you to pour out power in my life to anoint me to do this. The Bible says you've already got it. You already have the same faith that Jesus has. Most people think that can't be true because you go look in the mirror and you don't look like you got faith. You feel in your emotions, you don't feel strong, and we're trying to discern these things in some carnal way, not understanding that it's the born-again spirit that's been changed and has all of these things. And so, because we can't see it, taste it, hear it, smell it, or feel it, we just think, well, it doesn't exist, and we think, of oh, the Bible's so hard to understand. They'll say, well, uh, maybe you... there." is the same faith that Peter had. It's available, but you've got to pray and you've got to seek God and you've got to have an encounter with God where God does something special. Or you've got to come and let me anoint you with this oil that I got in the land of Israel or this water that I took out of the Jordan. And if I put it on you, you'll get a double portion. And we're looking for some physical, tangible, natural way to make it happen. But it's already happened. And if somebody says, no, it hadn't happened to me, well, then just tear Second Peter out of your Bible. Because it's only written to people that have obtained like precious faith with Him. See, the truth is we've already got all of these things and it's our ignorance of it. It's the fact that we have been trapped by our natural mind and our physical things and we are going only by our five senses that is blinding us to the Word of God. But we do have it, the same precious faith that Peter had. Peter saw his shadow touch people and they were raised up. You've got raising from the dead power on the inside of you. Peter said you have the same precious faith that he does. Peter's the one who saw Dorcas raised from the dead. Peter's the one that grabbed a man by the hand in the third chapter of the book of Acts and, and lifted him up and he had been paralyzed for 38 years, born that way and he immediately went running and leaping and praising God. You have that same power on the inside of you. And if you say, oh no I don't, that just shows your ignorance. Forgive me for being blunt. The politically correct way to say that would be that shows your lack of knowledge. But you're just stupid. It's just stupid is what it is. Amen. Praise God. One thing, if you come here to school, you will understand what we're saying. You may not like it, but you won't have to ask for an interpretation. It will be clear. You will understand. 
And so in verse 2 it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Jesus our Lord. Again, the vast majority of people are praying and saying, Oh God, I just need peace. I'm, I'm stressed out over this. Would you pl-? And they're asking God to touch them. The Bible says grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Him. If you don't have joy and peace, then you don't have the right knowledge on the inside of you. It's not the fact that you hadn't prayed enough, fasted enough, that you aren't holy enough. It's the fact that you're ignorant. Amen? Anybody miss that? It says in Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 that the Lord will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Peace is related to what you are thinking on. If you are thinking the way that this world thinks, if you're watching their news, listening to their evaluation of the situation, if you aren't depressed, plugged into the world system, something's wrong with you. Because it's depressing. It is depressing. You aren't paying attention if you aren't concerned. But you know what? When you keep your mind stayed on the Lord, the Lord will keep you in perfect peace. But it's, st- it's tied to the way you think and the knowledge that you have. It's really this simple. It is really this simple. If you aren't experiencing, I mean, the presence of God, if you don't know how much God loves you, if you aren't excited, like I was walking down the hall this morning, saw Donna Bozeman, and I said, how are you? And she says, I forgot exactly, but it was something like, I'm just enjoying the love of my Lord. She was just so excited, she didn't know how to contain it. If that's not the way you are, it's not because God loves you less than He loves Donna, it's because you don't understand some things that she understands. Your focus isn't the same. You hadn't planted the seed. And so it's not producing the same fruit that it's producing in her life. The truth is, man, God dances over you with joy is what the Scripture says. He rejoices over you. God thinks you're awesome. He carries your picture in His wallet. You ever asked anybody about, oh, do you have any pictures of your grandbaby? Have you ever asked? I can guarantee you, if you ask a grandma that, she's going to show you all of these pictures. You know what? God's like that. God's excited about you, but many of us don't experience that pleasure and don't have the joy and the peace of that because we don't know what the Word of God says. Grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. You know, in the Greek, that all things there means all things. It means anything that you need. Do you need healing in your body? It comes through the knowledge of Him. Do you need peace in your life? It comes through the knowledge of Him. Do you need your marriage straightened out? It comes through the knowledge of Him. Do you need to prosper? Do you need to find out what God's will? It comes through the knowledge of Him. Anything that you have, whatever your needs are, and if you don't have a great need yourself, but all of the people around you, whatever it is that you have to offer, it all comes through the knowledge of Him. And in the next verse it says, whereby 
or through this knowledge is given unto us the exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The knowledge of God is what gave us these exceeding great and precious promises. This Bible is the knowledge of God. This is the revelation of His kingdom and of His nature. These are His seeds. You know, when God created the heavens and the earth, He said, let there be light, and there was light. It took three days for Him to create the sun, but three days before there was a source, there was light. God does things a little different than we do. We would have created the source and then commanded light. He created the light and then created the source. He said, let there be light. He spoke everything into existence. It was the Word of God that caused everything tangible, our bodies, this entire world that we live in, He spoke it all into existence. We do not believe in the Big Bang Theory. We believe that Jesus created everything, that it's all a work of His hands. He spoke it into existence. Words created it. Because when God speaks a word out of His mouth, a word is just like a seed. If you could get this picture that every time you speak, you're spitting seeds out of your mouth. That's really what's happening. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. It's likening your words are going to produce fruit. Every word that comes out of your mouth is going to produce something. It's like spitting a seed. And there's only life and death. There's not all of this middle ground that amounts to nothing, that is just vain and it doesn't count. Every word that you speak is either life or death. Matthew chapter 12, I believe it's verse 35 or 36, says every idle word shall man give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Every word that comes out of your mouth is either life or death. And the sad thing is, we speak much more death than we speak life. We speak a lot of negative things. And out of God's mouth, every word that comes out of His mouth is either life or death. It can be death. When God pronounces that the way of the sinner is hard, that if you reject Him, that, that can produce death. There are some negative words that God speaks. But He speaks all of these positive words and they're like seeds. Every word that comes out of His mouth, every word of God that was recorded here is a supernatural seed and your heart is like miraculous ground. That a seed won't produce anything until it gets planted in soil. You know, I've read that they actually have found in these Pharaoh's tombs in Egypt seeds that have been there for 4,000 years. And those seeds have lied dormant for 4,000 years. They've taken seeds that have been there for 4,000 years, put them in the ground, watered them, and those seeds have grown. There was life in that seed. You know, this is so common, we take it for granted. But man, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. Mankind, you could, you could uh, pool all of the resources of all of the nations on this earth. They could produce something that looks like a seed, has the same weight, has the same elements in it. I mean, it could taste like a seed, it could look like a seed. But if you take something made by man and put it in the ground, it will not grow. It doesn't have life in it. It's a miracle that you can take a little acorn 
and put it in the ground and it becomes this huge oak that can withstand a hurricane. It's a miracle and we take these things for granted. We take the Word of God for granted, but in it is life. There is life in every Word of God. And all you've got to do is take these truths of God's Word and put it in your heart. That's what the parable of Mark chapter 4 is teaching. Your, the seed has to be put in the ground to work. There are people that reverence the written Bible. I actually was in a woman's house one time and she brought me some tea. And I made the mistake of setting my tea on top of her family Bible that was on the uh, table. And when I did, she sucked nearly all the air out of the room. Like, <gasps> like, how could you set something on top of the Bible? So I immediately moved it and you could see the ring of dirt where it... she had this Bible there. She didn't read it, but oh, she respected and honored the Bible. And there are people that just think that this book by itself is awesome. This doesn't have any power in it until you take these seeds out of here and put it in your heart. There isn't any magic to the Bible. A lot of Christians, really, it's kind of like, uh, oh, where, uh, what do you call these? Vampires. You ever see the vampire movie where if they see a Bible, you hold the Bible up and they have to shrink back from the Bible or you hold a cross up and they just coil back? It's not like that. I guarantee you the devil is not afraid of this. He's translated some of these Bibles. The devil is not afraid of just the page. You can carry this thing. You could lay it on top of your head until you rub all the hair off the top of your head and it's not going to release any life into you until you take these things and put them in your heart. It has to be a, become a part of you. And when you plant the seed in your heart, then this supernatural life that God put in the Word begins to work. You know, we see this in our Bible college. I bet you if you were to go up and ask any of our students here what has happened since they've been here, it's hard to describe, but they would somehow or another describe just how they are being changed, transformed through the renewing of their mind. These seeds are getting on the inside of them. And there's people who came here depressed and discouraged, and they aren't depressed and discouraged anymore. There's people that came here sick, and they aren't sick anymore. There's people that came here poor, and they aren't poor anymore. There's people that came here condemned, not understanding the love of God, and they aren't that way anymore. The seed, these truths that we share, it just gets into your heart, and it just changes you. And you don't have to struggle. You know when you see a tree grow up, I bet you there's not a person here that's ever walked by an apple tree and heard it groan and just, ah, boom, here's an apple. You know, it's just the nature of an apple tree to produce an apple. It just comes naturally. And yet how many Christians go through all of this terrible trouble and they're just fasting and praying and they're so depressed and discouraged and frustrated. God, what do I have to do? Take the seed and plant it in your heart and just leave it there and it'll just change you. You won't even know how. It just happens. It's no big deal. Boy, this is powerful. You know, we had a guy come to our Bible school. This has been quite a while ago and he was from the inner city of Chicago. He was a black kid that came and he was only, I think, 17 years old when he came and he didn't even want to be here. But his mother was one of my partners and she loved this ministry and so she sent him to school 
rented him an apartment, bought him all of the furniture that he needed, furnished everything, gave him an allowance, and bought him a new car if he would come here and stay for six months. And so he said, I'll do it. So he came, and anyway, he was a nice kid. I liked him, but he told everybody. He says, I'm out of here. Christmas break, I'm gone. I'm not coming back. He says, I'm just here to get all of these things that my mother promised me. And he was a nice guy. Everybody liked him, but he did not want to be here. And he told everybody, I'm just here until Christmas break, and I'm gone. And anyway, it was so funny because he he started being changed, sitting under the Word. It started changing him. And when after the Christmas break in January, he was back. And I said, what happened to you? And he says, I went home. And he says, there was two of his, his friends in the inner city of Chicago that had been killed during the time that he was gone. And he went back and all of his other friends wanted to start doing all the stuff that they did. And he found out that he'd been changed. And he didn't like that. And he said, man, this is what I like now. And he came back. He finished two years of school and graduated and loved it. And he got changed not even wanting to get changed. You know, Wendell will often say when we're at our Gospel Truth Seminars, he says, if you have a desire to come to Bible school, come to this meeting. And he says, even if you don't have a desire, come. And we'll help you get a desire. And he'll he'll say things like, even if you don't want to be there, he says, just sit under and he says, it'll change your life. We don't encourage that attitude, but it will work. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is so simple. You got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand what I'm saying. And yet, the average Christian, I'm not asking you to raise your hand on this, but the average Christian spends pitiful amounts of time in the Word of God. Plus, you know, you could read the Bible from cover to cover and for you to connect all of the dots and take this scripture in Genesis and put it together with the scripture in Revelation and connect that with the one over here in Isaiah, it could take you, well, it's taken me 43 years, is that right? 43 years, I've been seeking the Lord and studying the Word night and day. Wendell, it's been 120 or something that he's been in the Word of God. And all the rest of these guys, and it could take you a lifetime studying on your own to make some of these connections that we've made. Did you know that the average person, Bible college is the equivalent of over 22 years worth of church attendance. And it's combined into two years period of time. The saturation effect of it is just phenomenal. And this is really what it's all about. This is a Bible college. We've had people come here from other Bible colleges, from seminaries, and say that they went through two years or whatever, and they never opened the Bible. They never used the Bible. They had books that talked about the Bible, and they studied Greek and Hebrew, and they learned all of these things. This isn't one of those schools. This is a Bible college. I can guarantee you, you're going to hear a lot of the Word of God. You're going to get the Word of God in you. And we plant these truths in you and it just changes you. You don't even know how it works. But it'll change you. I can guarantee you that. It's awesome. And you know, the the good thing, I'm just about out of time this morning. I'll continue on this later. But we have now, I think, what is it, 16 or 18 Bible schools around the world? We go to those places, and you know what? We see the same results in people on the other side of the world that have never heard me, 
or Daniel, Gary, Barry, uh, Lawson, Wendell. They've never heard us personally, but students took the same truths, planted the same seed, and it produces the same fruit on the other side of the world. It's not a personality. It's not a person. It's the Word that is changing people. And I tell you, it is awesome what God is doing. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, let's take a break. We'll be back, I think, at five minutes after.